The average person has 50 to 70,000 thoughts per day. You know, they interact with roughly three new people every day, each of which also has 50 to 70,000 thoughts every day. And, and the thing is, they spend roughly seven hours browsing the internet, visiting around 140 web pages, and interacting with about 600 other human beings indirectly. You know, this happens across three devices, six applications, four social networks, three messaging apps, and all of this is happening all at the same time. Like, it's totally screwed up, all right? So, like, why are these people neurotically wired into this maze of basically stimulated rats echoing, liking, and sharing the same useless information? <laughs> Let me ask you the question, what's the purpose of it all? You know, if you ask these people, you'll quickly find out. There isn't one. So the world has become more connected. Yes, that's a good thing. But only if it brings value to you and helps you achieve your goals. Most people, they haven't actually evolved to this new technology and, and they're lost inside of it instead of using it as a tool. Like they're they're mistakenly using it as a means to end. I'll, I'll get to why this is relevant to property in a second, right? But instead of using technology to um, connect to people, to solve problems and find answers to questions they need to achieve their goals, people just use social media and content for the goal of using social media and content. It's like they're using a treadmill for the purpose of using a treadmill, all right? So the means contributes to an end Never mistake the means for the end itself. All right, this is what property investors, this is what potential property investors also do. They confuse themselves with too much information, too much misinformation. They go around in circles and they become paralyzed by too much noise. They can't separate the signal from the noise. Signal is useful information that contributes to your goal. Noise is useless information that really does nothing for anyone. It's just pure waste. So advanced property investors, they they can understand how to narrow their focus and actually achieve goals. All right, that's the message that I want to preface this episode with, okay? How to narrow and be focused and really targeted to achieving your goal of presumably wealth or passive income. All right, so in this episode, I'm going to be narrowing our focus and talking about two things. This is the Q&A type of episode format once again. So the two questions that we'll be asking and answering, the first one is at a high level and dipping down into four key strategies. How do you actually create a six-figure passive income from property investing? Like, is that still possible? What are the four steps to actually doing it? Okay, not, you know, 10 steps and this and that and that other thing, 10 different strategies. What are the clear four steps? Narrow, focus, tunnel vision. Okay, that's what we need. And the second question is, how do we buy positive cash flow properties? Okay, how do we do that? Can't do that in Sydney, Melbourne. How do we actually find these properties and achieve passive income? All right, so if you're interested, guys, I, I'm always thankful for you to, you know, consume 
this podcast in a way that is actionable, meaningful, and practical. But if this brings you value, then I'm very, very grateful that it does. All right, let's get into it. Do you want to achieve wealth and passive income through property investing? PK Gupta, host of Oz Property Investment Mastery, will help you achieve passive income by buying top 5% growth and positive cash flow property and building a portfolio using data without you wasting months of time doing research, spending weekends at inspections, or dropping $10,000 to $20,000 on buyer's agents each time. So if you are confused and overwhelmed by the amount of contradictory information available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. All right, so the first question is... What is the exact four-sided strategy that people can use to create a six-figure passive income from property investing? Okay, these are my musings on the go. Don't mind the audio quality. It's the actual content that is powerful. The first part is that you want to buy a positive cash flow property. Okay, so what I mean by positive cash flow property is that it should give you money in the bank, money in the door after all expenses. So rent is more than all of your costs, your council rates, your property management fees, your insurance, your interest rates, everything like that. Each and every property should be giving you money after all expenses. That's one side. So this is a four-sided strategy. Let's call it a diamond um, for you know kind of a, a catchy term. And that's the first side of the diamond. The second side of the diamond is growth. Now, not just sh- long-term growth. We don't just want growth after five years. We don't just want growth after 10 years or 15 years. We want the property, each and every property, to be going up in value in the short term. Now, what that means is that, and, and by the way, this is really what you need. It's not that this is a nice to have. This is what you need to be able to, in a year, in two years, and three years after buying the property, extract value out of the property, extract equity out of the property, not selling it, but simply recycling the debt, refinancing the debt, so that you can buy another property, and then another property, and another property. In in this way, you can accumulate, let's say, three to seven properties over a 10-year period and get to that passive income goal. That can't be achieved if you're relying on the property to increase after 10 years you need it to increase in the short term and the number one mistake that property investors make is that they think that buying close to a train station or close to a park or close to the ocean or you know somewhere with good views that these are the types of characteristics that drive growth yes they drive growth but only in the long term A property that's close to the beach or close to a park, close to a train station, a hospital, a school is not automatically going to increase in the short term because if it did, that would mean that they increase all the time and they don't. Okay, so the way to find short term growth is by assessing data and getting a balance between demand and supply. And most property investors, in fact, 99% of property investors who aren't educated What they do is they say, well, demand is always going to be strong for this suburb because it's close to this, you know, these amenities. But what we're trying to find is whether demand already exceeds supply right now, not in two years, not in five years because of some infrastructure boom or because of population growth or anything like that. But right now, that takes the gamble away, that takes the guesswork away. And that means that we can be very, very, very sure with conviction 
that this property is going to increase in value. This suburb is going to increase in value, right? In fact, it would have already started if the data is good enough. Okay, so the first side of the diamond was positive cash flow. The second side of the diamond is short-term equity growth, not long-term, well, as well as long-term. And that way we don't really need a deposit or we don't need a huge deposit after the first property. Of course, it's always nice to save money and contribute towards your property portfolio. But if you can extract equity, then you really just need to save up for the first property. And then it's like a snowball effect, you know, like a, a snowball, it, it um, gathers more snow as it, as it drops down the, the cliff or down the mountainside. That's what a strategic high performing property portfolio does. It doesn't require you to chip in more money either to hold properties or for subsequent deposits significantly. Okay, so that's the second side of the diamond. I'm still on the second side. The third side of the diamond is that we want to buy properties that we can add value to. Now, whether that means that we can renovate, you know, by renovate, I mean you can put in $20,000, increase the value by 60, 70,000, then have that equity for the subsequent property as a deposit for the subsequent property or whether it means you can subdivide and create chunk deals that way or whether it means that you can put a granny flat at the back or at the side and increase your yield therefore thereby increasing your borrowing capacity and maybe equity although granny flats aren't great for equity we want a property that we can do something with buying an off the plan apartment or house means that it's stuck it's as good as it will ever be really for the next 10 or 20 years. That doesn't mean that it's not tenantable. That doesn't mean that we need to spend this money immediately. We want the potential to be able to make money even in the future when the market is flat, buy a granny flat, buy development, buy renovation. And this is all the sort of stuff I teach. And then, so that's the third side of the, the diamond. And the fourth side of the diamond is that we want to buy under market value. So I don't want to pay more than what the market um, wants for that property. That's the worst case scenario, all right? Overpaying is out of the question. At the very worst, we want to pay the market valuation, but more than 70, 80% of the properties that my, well, I've bought and when my clients buy or they, they try to buy are under market value. Now, this is not some sort of marketing gimmick. That means you get the property 30% off. But this is something like, even if it's as little as 10,000 under the market value, that's immediately giving you 8,000, 80% LVR, 8,000 deposit head start for your next property, right? So generally we wanna buy between 10 and $30,000 under market value. And so that's the fourth, how do you say, fourth side of that diamond, right? And this diamond strategy, this is the exact strategy that I used personally to get out of the rat race and, and sort of develop a passive income of six figures. And it's, you know, I'm not a special person. I, I'm really not. <laughs> Anyone can do this, of course. You do need a job. You do need a, a job that pays higher than the minimum wage to achieve this. Uh, but if that's you and you have your first deposit um, or you have equity in your house, then you can definitely achieve this ambition. If you already have a few pro uh, properties in your portfolio, just ask yourself, Am I on the target to achieve a six-figure passive income in seven or 10 or 15 or 17 years time? And if you're not, then maybe you're not applying this diamond strategy, these four sides of the diamond, positive cash flow, each and every property, high growth, not just long-term, but short-term, every single property, right? Simultaneously with cash flow, um, under market value and potential 
for development, chunk deal, subdivision or renovation, right? That's really what you need. And then what I personally used in my portfolio to then really supercharge the portfolio, it's kind of like taking a, a Toyota and putting a V12 engine into it, commercial development. Now, whether you do it yourself or whether you simply access those types of returns, and I'm talking 10 to 15% plus per annum returns, leveraged or unleveraged, this is really how you take a six-figure passive income and turn it into, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say seven-figure, seven that's, I'm not there yet, um, but that's how you turn it into a, a $150,000, $250,000 per annum income uh, plus, you know, over the long term. That doesn't happen in the first five years, doesn't even happen in the first 10 years. But once you have equity, that is what is potential. Well, that's what's possible for you. You don't need to do it yourself. You simply know, need to know how to access those returns uh, in, a, in a risk or relatively risk-free way. There's always risk. Anyone who says that, there's, it's risk-free, you, you know, shouldn't really be trusting them. So, I mean, that's the diamond strategy. And then if you can take the Toyota, which is someone ordinary like me or perhaps you, and put a V12 engine behind that property portfolio by commercial development or large-scale land subdivisions, if you really want that, then you add this final step. Okay, and the second question is, how do we buy a positive cash flow property after all costs, after every single cost? How can you do it? How can you start to build three, four, five, six thousand dollars of positive cash flow passive income from every single property from day one? Let's get into it. All right, so the way number one to buy positive cash flow property is looking at data. Now, what you want to do is you want to get the average yield data for every single suburb across Australia, 15,000 uh, suburbs, and then just filter that data to find where there is yield of above 5% or above 5.5% or above 6%. And when you find that, there you're going to find positive cash flow property. Now, not every property in that suburb or in those suburbs is going to be positive cash flow. But by and large, if the average yield um, for that suburb is above five or is above five and a half or is above six percent, then you know that most properties within that suburb or those suburbs will be positive cash flow in nature. So now, of course, there's not hundreds of these suburbs, so you need to be very selective. And at the same time, you don't want to go too regional. You don't want to go too rural where you will find many of these suburbs with positive cash flow properties, but there are other reasons why you don't want to be buying them. For example, they have very limited or almost no growth. Um, mining towns very up and down, you could lose a lot of money. So you need to have a filtering mechanism to, to really find of the 15,000 suburbs, the 100 or 150 that have positive cash flow potential, and then of them, which are actually going to grow and are safe bets. Okay, so that's way number one. Now, when you found a suburb like that, what you want to be doing if you're interested in positive cash flow, if you're interested in passive income right from day one, what you want to be doing is you want to buy underneath the median value. Now, let's say that you found a suburb, the median value is $400,000 or $350,000, and there's dozens of these, by the way. Um, what you want to do is find properties that are less than the median, less than 400 or less than 350. Now, the reason is this. 
Now, when a property is valued, they take into consideration things like the number of bedrooms, bathrooms, how old the property is, and especially land size. Now, let's just pick on land size. When a tenant chooses to select a property to, to rent, they don't really care about land size. Most tenants, they don't even take their kids in the backyard so much. They don't really use the outside of the house. They're mostly interested and they, what they mostly consider is the number of bedrooms and the fact that it's in, in decent condition, you know, close to amenity. They don't really look at the things that an owner occupier would, would when it comes to valuing property. Okay, so they don't look at the land size, they don't look at necessarily how old it is. As long as, it, as it's livable, in relatively nice condition, and it has enough bedrooms, a tenant chooses to rent that house. So now what that means is that if we can buy property underneath the, the median price, we still get the yields that the median price demands, but we're not paying as much as the median price. Okay, so even though it's a positive cash flow suburb, generally speaking, we're buying the very top echelon or top tier of positive cash flow properties in that suburb. The reason? is that we're paying less than median value, so the loan isn't that much, and we're getting above the median rent in that suburb because we're optimizing for exactly what the tenant wants. We're not overcapitalizing huge block sizes when the tenant actually don't, doesn't care about that, and it's just taking away from that positive cash flow story because we're paying more to buy that land and not getting the commensurate rent for it okay so way number one was to get the data and assess of the 15,000 suburbs across Australia which have a yield of above five five and a half six percent the second way is to buy under median value don't buy something with a huge block of land because tenants don't view land as attractive they view the interior of the house as attractive okay so that's the second way and the third way to get under market value property. And this is something that almost no one is doing. But what's really interesting sometimes is to find a property where you know that the rent could be higher than what it is now. Now the current tenant may not know that, the real estate agent may not know that, but a savvy property manager will know that. Okay, so what you want to do is you want to find properties where if you look at comparable rental properties, they're renting at, let's say, $400 a week. But this one, even though it could demand $400 a week, is only getting $360 or only getting $370. Now, there's very re various reasons that maybe the um, existing landlord may not have been too fussed about increasing rent. The existing landlord may not care so much about positive cash flow because they're you know, in their old age and property's already done really, really well for them, or they may just not know what they can actually get in the market because they don't understand the rental market and their property manager may not be so crash hot and they don't know what they can get in that property can get for rent in the current market. So if you can find this type of property where if you buy it, you can hike the rents by 30, 40, $50 when the next lease is up for renewal or when the current tenants move out, then all of a sudden you've got a property that may have had a yield 
of four and a half go up to above five or five percent yield go up to five and a half or five and a half go up to six percent and that's literally thousands of dollars in the bank after expenses every single year okay so you're looking for arbitrage um, and there's so much of it out there you know you don't want to obviously do the wrong thing and overcharge tenants but what we're looking for is rental properties existing rental properties for sale where the current landlord is undercharging the current tenant okay so and when the tenant you know receives that increase in price um, then they'll you know obviously be upset but they can look at the market and if they deem that that price is what the market is expecting what the market is absorbing then they'll just have to take it i mean that's just how free market works all right so these are the the ways that um, my client bought under four hundred thousand dollars in south australia and is getting from day number one four thousand dollars of positive cash flow in the bank and the suburb contrary to popular belief has actually risen by five to ten thousand dollars every single month since march right in the middle of covid so i know plenty of you are probably thinking covid this is a really bad time to buy no properties are increasing but this suburb in adelaide um, is definitely increasing and it will continue to increase so that four thousand dollar positive cash flow is gonna go up to five thousand dollars soon and then six thousand and seven thousand as the time rolls by okay and it's already demonstrated that history shows that rents have risen history shows even the last six months every single month property prices have increased five to ten thousand dollars in the midst of COVID. so that's the combination of cash flow positive cash flow and capital growth once again my name is pk have a great day catch you bye